It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. The Nasty Cast might sound like a silly name for a show, but this is a serious fantasy baseball podcast. Okay, maybe not that serious, but these guys aren't just here to party. Hello and welcome everyone to the Nasty Cast. I'm your host, Van Lee, and it is opening day for Major League Baseball 2022. I'm psyched. I got to watch some Cubs Brewers earlier today. I got to watch Nico Horner, who hasn't hit a home run since 2019. Blast one. Oh, knocked one off of Corbin Burns, one of the best pitchers in baseball. Amazing. But today we're going to be talking lots of cool stuff. And I say we because it's not just me. It's not just the malevolent spirit that lives deep within my head. It's also Ron Rigney. Welcome to the show, Ron. How are you on this opening day? Well, I'm proud to say that I am one of the few people in fantasy baseball that probably benefited from that Nico Horner blast because I did have to start him at utility in my 19-teamer today, so that looks pretty good for me. You've got all the home runs you're going to get from him all season uh, long. That's fine. I'll take it. That's one more than I thought I was going to get. Pretty sure I stole Brian Vaughn's joke. Welcome to the show, Brian. (laughs) Well, hey, it's good to be here. And yeah, I was definitely going for some variation of Nico Horner not hitting very many home runs. <laughs> However, I'm very happy for you, Ron. Are you guys happy for me and how no. Seiya Suzuki got on base three times? In yeah, his he, debut? Looked, uh, he looked pretty good. I like watching him today. I think he's going to be impressed. a fine player. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Brian Vaughn forgot what I was going to say, so we're going to shift right <laughs> ahead. Oh, no, we I didn't forget. beacons of professionalism here on the Nasty Cast. That's right. It gets nasty here and there. I wanted to give you guys a little bit of a story, and Brian knows a little bit about this. Ron, you do not. I was driving prior to recording this evening, and in front of me, I was at a stoplight, and it was just dinky little car, and wasn't thinking much, and I was like, oh, there's a sticker. What is that? And I squinted a little bit. Why, it was a picture of Fran Drescher, <laughs> with the label below saying Fran boy as opposed to fanboy. So I ask you, Ron Rigney, are you a Fran boy? Do you like Fran Drescher? Um, I got to say I'm kind of indifferent. I never really got into the nanny. Um, you know, there's that famous laugh that she has. I can't really say I can't really say I'm for or against. I, so I guess technically, no, I'm, I'm not a Fran boy. Brian, Fran boy or no? Look, I do think she is fantastic. But I can't in good conscience call myself necessarily a frenatic or a Fran boy at this particular stage, just because of all the 90s sitcoms, it wasn't one of my favorites. But, uh, you know, again, I'm fine with Fran. You know what? I will submit myself then as the Fran boy of this podcast. I watched The Nanny when I was a kid. Didn't understand it. I don't know when it ran, but I was pretty young. No one understood it that was our age at the time. Well, yeah, but she had the annoying laugh or whatever. But what I'll say, and this is not the only way to judge a human being, Fran Drescher is a smoke show. She is one of the most attractive people. I like me some Fran Drescher, but apparently she's a really cool person in real life. So, yeah, count me in as Fran Boy number uh, one. I was watching a different Mr. Sheffield on TV, and that was Gary Sheffield. (laughs) (laughs) And he was mashing baseballs and twitching really weird. 
Well, speaking of mashing baseballs, we are a fantasy baseball podcast, so we're going to get into that. A couple, couple items of note here. This is opening day, so obviously this is an important podcast, an important day. We're going to discuss playoff predictions. We'll give you some goofy predictions. We've got NL win- uh, Cy Young winners, AL Cy Young winners, just award winners, all that stuff. If you like what we do, you can head over to patreon.com slash Inc. B-O-O-T-U-I-N-C. And for just a couple bucks a month or more, you'll get access to bonus content and you'll support the show. The most important thing. We would appreciate it. And let's see. We mentioned the Listener League recently. I didn't get a huge push for it. And in fact, I did randomly check the old email address that we used to use for this show and the other show. And longtime fan Francisco Gregory had gotten in touch with me and he was like, oh, shoot. I'm sorry if I missed the time to cut off. I'd like to get in the Listener League. I haven't responded to him via email. Hopefully you hear this, Francisco. What I propose we do, guys, is what we did last year and that we drafted like two weeks into the season. I think we should do that and make it an annual thing because we're procrastinators because I don't get things yeah. done on time. I think that's a cool thing. So what I want to do is shoot for a Listener League draft next week. And I will put this out on Twitter. We can get in touch with our friends. Francisco, you're in there. All the guys on the Slack group, you guys are all in there. So I want to do one, and it's going to be belated. And I think that'll add to the charm of it. What do you guys think? Should we sound the horn of Gondor? That's I often do. I carry it with me. And anytime I get <laughs> shot by an orc, I just whip that thing out and start honking away. <laughs> it's good for any time you're uh, either injured by an orc or <laughs> need to draft a fantasy baseball team. That's the binary. It's just those two things, (laughs) nothing else. So there you go. If you want to be in the listener league, get in touch with us. Uh, Shoot me an email at butuink at gmail.com. Or, of course, you can reach me on Twitter at mainlyvanlee. We've got at nastycastpod, at butudynasty, at loudguitarbrian, and not at the real Monday because Ron has taken a break from Twitter. But that's fine. You can get in touch with any of us there. So let's get into the news and notes of the show. This uh, We're going to start with a couple of news items. Prospects were called up. We've got a uh, trade that went down, and then we'll get into the playoff and other predictions from there. So right out of the gate, with the prospects, we have several making their respective Major League rosters. So I'll ask you guys, what do you think of these guys in redraft leagues? So, Ron, we'll start with you. We've got Julio Rodriguez making the roster with the Mariners, Spencer Torkelson making it with the Tigers, C.J. Abrams making it with the Padres, and, of course, Bobby Witt Jr. making the Royals. Of these four guys, who stands out to you? Do you like them uh, coming into the season? Is there upside, downside? What do you see here? Well, all super cool because it's four out of the top ten prospects in all of baseball making it uh, at opening day, and I don't know if we've ever seen that before, but... Speaking in terms of redraft leagues, there's a couple different ways you can go here. I would say the guy that I probably trust the least is C.J. Abrams, just because it looks like he's going to be platooning right now. And when Fernando Tatis comes back, depending upon what Abrams does, I don't think the leash is going to be very long there as well. If he starts to struggle a bit, I think they bring him down. And they, and they don't need him up. He's only 21 years old. So he's kind of the most surprising. Well, he's I, kind of tied with me for Julio Rodriguez is most surprising. I think Torkelson and Witt are going to be really, really super solid. I think you're, you know, you're going to get solid production out of them. I think the highest ceiling, though, in a redraft is going to be Julio Rodriguez. If that guy takes off, I don't think he's going to slow down a bit. He's got the loudest tools, but we've talked you know, on the Dynasty show a lot about him with his injury history. It's, a, it's already kind of cropped up as young as he is. So he's the one, he, he, highest ceiling, but scares me a little bit. So I think for me in redraft, I think you know, this is kind of the obvious answer. I think you'd be okay with Torkelson, but I think Witt, to me, is the obvious choice. Um, he went the other night. I, re- I did one of my uh, my keeper drafts. We have 10 teams. Each person keeps five people. Bobby Witt Jr. went number two overall. So I think that kind of speaks to what uh, people think that they're going to get out of him. And he came through today with a clutch double 
for his first major league hit. But I think he's the one I trust out of all four, but going to be fun to watch all four in the next couple of weeks. Obviously, I also love all four of these guys. For me, Julio is the most appealing, as Ron said. The power, throwing a little bit of speed. He could be a complete hitter, and I'm not saying he could be that right away, but he hasn't really ever been thwarted uh, at this point. And I like the odds of him being a mini version of that with Witt, who I also love. And I think he offers a little more uh, immediacy, perhaps, in the stolen base department as well. I think there is a little concern with me and the swing and miss with him, at least right away, not not necessarily long term. And with Torkelson, uh, that's just a real solid hitter. I think he also is in a position where the Tigers want him to hold that job down. And he should be given every opportunity. Actually, all three of these guys should. So in focusing on Abrams, as Ron said, he's the guy I'm least interested in here, both due to playing time and a little less development. I'm not so sure on his bat like I am the other three, despite his athleticism and his speed. And also, like, I'd be curious to see what you guys say. I I'm a little puzzled by this handling of him by the Padres. Yeah, this is a bit surprising. I mean, it felt it felt like the prospect guys in the Twitter sphere were the ones pushing for Abrams to make the major league team, and no one else was. And then it just kind of happened. And th- that doesn't mean he can't succeed. But it also, to me, seems like he has the least experience in the minors, has the most volatile profile of these four guys. It just is very interesting to see that this happened. And like you said, Ron... He's likely in a platoon, at least to start the season. Feels like if you're going to bring up an elite caliber prospect, you just give him the job and run with it when you're ready to bring them up as opposed to kind of half-assing it like this. But the Padres, for all the talk of them being you know, a good team these last few years, they sign these big free agents, they have a lot of great prospects, they seem to do some really stupid things. So I'm not quite sold on them being you know, a really smart organization, but we'll see with him. I echo your sentiments about Abrams being the guy I like the least of this group. I mean, Witt is probably the one who's going to be the best this year, but price versus performance value and what you might have paid in a draft or paid in fab and so forth. I think Torkelson and Rodriguez are probably going to give you more bang for their buck. Torkelson will be the cheapest. Well, Abrams will be the cheapest, I think. But Torkelson could be the cheapest of the other three, and he doesn't steal, so obviously he's not going to give you that. But I do think he could show elite power right out of the gate right now. And there's maybe a little bit of value to be had in that. So definitely cool that we're seeing these guys make it to the major league roster because we don't typically see that happen. And hopefully they stay and hopefully are all four good because I'd like to see them succeed. I hope we see this in more Aprils also that we get to see a lot of the best prospects. And I think it's good for baseball too. Absolutely. And you know, we talked about this on the dynasty show that we just recorded the dynasty baseball podcast, a great dynasty podcast for you to listen to. We are seeing the fruits of labor of the New Deal where if a prospect finishes in the top two in Rookie of the Year voting, their team gets a bonus pick in drafts. And I think that's, I won't say it's the sole reason, but I think that's a pretty darn big reason that a lot of these guys are making the Major League team right out of spring training. And arguably, I would say... Uh, maybe Witt had the inside track on starting this year without it versus the other three. Yeah. I think the other three, if that rule wasn't in place, I think they'd be down until Super 2 status cleared or whatever it may be. So it's a good rule. We Abrams for sure. Like that's yeah. another reason why like I 
it feels weird to potentially give up a year of a player to have him platoon. Yeah, exactly. All right, so let's move on down the list here. The Twins have scooped up Chris Paddock, Cowboy Chris Paddock, and Emilio Pagan for Taylor Rogers and Brent Rooker. Let's go to Brian first on this one. Well, first off, our uh, prediction that Taylor Rogers would be a good pickup to be a closer for the uh, <laughs> Minnesota Twins did not pan out, but that's okay. So second, uh, is there a chance that Paddock can get back to being like a plus frontline or mid-rotation pitcher? Obviously, when he came out of the gates a few years ago, had good strikeout totals, good walk totals, like a 3-3-3 ERA, and then it's been all downhill from there. And then after that, any of the other guys interest you out of this group for this year for redraft leagues? These are not boring players. I will say that about this trade. They all have something interesting about them. But for me, Paddock, until he becomes more than a two-pitch guy, he is a back-end rotation starter. Valuable in real life, not in fantasy, if that happens to be what he remains being. Uh, and for now, that's what I see him as, unfortunately. Uh Beyond that, I think what we're looking at here is what are these relievers doing? Is Pagan going to be closing in Minnesota? I mean, he's done it before. And Rogers, what really becomes of him in San Diego? What Will he ever have a shot at closing? I don't know. So I mean, he, As it stands right now, and roster resources certainly isn't the most scientific place as far as closer go. He's listed as the sole closer above Denilson Lamette, Robert Suarez, some of the other pitchers okay. there. So there is a chance that that did just pan out great, and he's going they to be the closer have. for the Padres, but we won't know you know, for another week until we see how they treat the position. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's just one of those trades where you can see how it benefits both teams, but it, you look at what they gave up and you're like, well, that would have been fine to have too. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not a lot to add here. I definitely don't I'm not too excited with Chris Paddock. I mean, to me in fantasy, he might be a guy that you might get as a spot starter, a guy that you plug in off waivers if you have injuries. Might be a guy that you go with in DFS if he's got a good matchup and he's super cheap and you put some big bats in there. But I think the relievers are definitely more intriguing there. I I think that the reason that the Padres make this deal is because they want Taylor Rogers to be their closer. So I think that he goes to the top of that that, uh, depth chart and I think he becomes the guy. I know they've talked about a couple different guys in that role. But I think the reason they did this is to kind of solve that problem. And we've seen Emilio Pagan be in a different, couple of different situations with a couple of different teams and earn some saves here and there. Becomes an intriguing guy uh, in in saves and holds leagues as well. And it, when you when you look up the the Minnesota Twins closers now, I think they have like a, you, you referred to roster resource. I think they have like four guys listed as potential closers there. So it makes that situation. Uh, definitely a, a bit more cloudy. But if he's a guy that's available and you, you want to throw a dart at some saves and it's not going to cost you much, he, he could be a guy that could get you a couple here and there, but definitely a guy that you might want to look at in holds leagues. Yeah, I do still like Rodgers overall. I made the joke at the beginning of this, but I do think he could run away with that closer's job. I still think Lamette has a chance to do it because he's a high-profile arm that likely suits in a little bit better in the back half of the bullpen. Brent Rooker, I think we can just kind of forget about. I don't know that he's going to play a whole lot with the uh, Padres here. And as a prospect, I mean, we weren't all that excited with him. But last year in the majors, struck out over 30% of the time, barely hit 200, had a little bit of power, sure, which was a knock on him early in his career. He didn't have any power. But overall, who cares about Brent Rooker? But I think what I want to say about Chris Paddock is what I hope happens is he's made it to a new team. Maybe it's a uh, you know change of scenery scenario. Something happens. And he puts off, you know, the first third of this season, rattles off six starts that are awesome. 
That would be amazing because then I could trade him in the prestigious Dynasty, Dynasty Baseball League uh-huh. where I own him. Because I just, uh, I mean, I always liked him as a prospect, but it just hasn't quite panned out. And I do not believe with his two-pitch mix that he can really become much of anything. And I don't know, he improved the curveball last year. The changeup has always been good. The fastball kind of lost a little bit to it. He wasn't spotting it quite as well. And he has to be able to do that. So there is... A little bit of upside to be found here, but it's really hard to see it. We'll see if the Twins can actually draw that out of them. And then moving on, we're going to go back to Brian first on this one too. Jordan Hicks has made the Cardinals rotation. So what do you think we can expect to see from the former reliever out of the rotation? Do you think he's worth rostering in 12-team leagues, 15-team leagues? Just what do you think will happen this year? It would have to be a deep league for me because I don't think we have any way of knowing. I mean, he's since he's been with them, I mean, he's been a reliever. And that's always been the goal. Hicks throws super hard. I mean, he's thrown fastballs that were 104. Uh, it's just a matter of uh, can he throw those breaking balls for strikes consistently? I mean, can he throw strikes consistently in that sort of a stretched out role? How many innings is he going to pitch? I mean, these are all question marks that, for me, make him a guy to watch. And as a Cardinal fan, like I'm super interested to see how it pans out, but I'm I don't know that it'll have a big fantasy impact. To me, this is just it, it this scares me all around and it's something I don't want to touch because we we've seen Jordan Hicks battle injury in the past. We've we you know you've referred to the 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 amount of velocity he throws with which is super impressive, but you know, we look at these guys and we wonder when the, the when it's going to happen that their arm is going to just fall off their body and I think he kind of fits that mold. Only pitched 10 innings last year, has never been a starter at the major league level, hasn't pitched over 77 innings in any season. So it scares me a little bit that you're going to throw this guy into the rotation. It could end up working out great if you can get the breaking stuff to translate, but it's something where it's just there's a lot of variables here, and it seems like to me that the negative outweighs the positive by a long shot. I think that the Cardinals are smart for doing this in the regards that you just need to see if he can do it. And if he can, he's 24. He's very, very young. Obviously, throwing hard is a great first step to being a good pitcher. So maybe it pans out and they get a couple of years out of him where he's a, a good starter. That will not be this year. I mean, what's best case scenario? He comes out and puts up 100 innings this year. I mean, he hasn't thrown any innings in the last couple because of obviously Tommy John surgery. And I mean, he's not going to be going deep in games. So in fantasy leagues, unless you're in a super deep league, that's not going to be too valuable because he's just not going to put up enough innings to give you the whatever ratios he can tap into. Maybe he can strike out a bunch of batters, but he also never has. I mean, his best K rate was 9.73 in 2019. That's not what you'd expect to see from a guy touching 104 on a fastball. So I just don't see the upside, certainly in a shallower league 10 team. Probably, well, definitely not, I'd say, in a 12-team, maybe not in a 15-team league. So overall, I think I'll just pass and look elsewhere. But I get it from the Cardinals' perspective. And maybe next year, if he puts up 80 to 100 great innings, I go, okay, maybe he can get to 140 this year, and that would be valuable. We'll see. You know what? And maybe next year the Cardinals will learn to plan better for if something goes wrong in the starting rotation. Don't be silly. Come on, Brian. Well, we're going to move on to a trade that Ron's team made here. The Tigers, no, that's not Ron's team. That's the other team. They picked up Austin Meadows from Ron's Rays for infielder Isaac Paredes and a draft pick. Now, what does this do for Meadows' value, Ron? Do you think it goes up or down? What's the playing time fallout for the two teams? 
Uh, I haven't looked to see what their roster decisions were. Did Josh Lowe or Vidal Brujan make the team? Just tell us about this. So the, the couple things at play here, and I, I think they look at number one, Austin Meadows is a free agent after the season. So obviously we know the Rays MO. We know that they're not going to re-sign him. And, and so they're just trying to move him to get something for him. And I think they wanted the roster spot to be able to call up Josh Lowe. Josh Lowe only hit a buck 90 in the spring. But I feel like also they looked at the potential production they could get from Josh Lowe. And on the low end, it's going to be very different or it's going to be very much similar to what Austin Meadows would give them. So why not move him and bring the guy up that you already have that you have under control? So I think it, on the high end, Josh Lowe could give them the same amount of home runs. He provides a lot more speed. He, we haven't seen Austin Meadows hit the last couple of seasons. Like we, you know, I know I don't believe he's a 291 hitter like he was in 2019, but I also didn't believe he was a 234 hitter and a 205 hitter like we've seen the last couple of seasons. So I feel like Tampa thinks that Josh Lowe. They already have him. He can come in and hit 234 with 27 home runs potentially. So they, they did call him up. You know, we, we, we've talked about him a little bit as well. Batting average kind of all over the place. Walks a decent amount. Steals bases. Hits for power. Can play a little bit better defense. So I think it's just kind of a no-brainer for them. Uh, Vidal Brujan, from what I can see, did not end up making the opening day roster. So he's somebody that doesn't really factor in right now um as of as i can see it right now it looks like josh lowe is going to be going to be the starter it looks like the outfield is going to be manny margot they just signed him to an extension uh it looks like josh lowe is going to get the job what? in right field yeah Who i know they actually, manny margot it was a little two-year one but, um, but, but it's funny on, still, still. Yeah, the, yeah, when yeah, i saw the, the headline i was like did they get the wrong player that's <laughs> that, that, to me that's like the most raised move of the raised moves like that's what they do they sign guys like this to extensions and you know, it, it, like I said, it is only two years. It's been not that great of money. But, I mean, the guy, you know, he plays good defense. He steals bases. But he's going to be the left fielder. So there's a lot of kind of moving parts here. But getting back to Austin Meadows, doesn't really change his value for me at all. I'm less likely to draft him now just because he doesn't play for my favorite team anymore. It's weird how, like, that perception changes uh, when, when you have that happen. Would have thought they would have dealt Kevin Kiermeyer. That didn't end up happening. I don't see a, I don't see him being a fit for a lot of teams in a trade. Uh <laughs> because he just doesn't do a whole lot with the bat. He's hurt all the time. So it, it's kind of cool to see Josh Lowe come up. He's going to be hitting low in the lineup, and hopefully he can succeed a little bit and get bumped up uh, to a little bit higher spot there. But um, just kind of a money-saving move and just kind of a move for them to kind of get what they can while they can and be able to kind of promote within like they always do. Yeah, I think the two players to look at out of this trade, since the Rays' return isn't super fantasy-relevant, are Meadows and Lowe, and I think both of them are interesting for this year. We talked about in the outfield preview that we didn't, none of us expected Meadows to hit 200 again. The underlying numbers really support at least like 230 to 250. And if he does that, the power and a little bit of speed could make him useful. The same could be said of Lowe, and he doesn't really have a lot left to prove in the minors. So I don't know. This is going to be pretty interesting to monitor on both fronts. I, neither There are no like super high-end players involved here, but I get why both teams were motivated to do it, even if I don't love the Rays' return. Yeah, you know, with Lowe, I've, I've waffled a bit on him this offseason. I mean, he just simply can't hit lefties, and that's not going to change in Detroit. I think what I would say is that the Rays probably deployed him about as best you can Will the Tigers do that? Or will the Tigers just let them go and say, no, nah, nah, we'll, we'll bat you clean up against left-handers and see what happens. And then suddenly you've got 
you know, a whole bunch of at-bats where he's hitting 180, 200 to get lefties, and that hurts your overall season numbers. So I think it's probably just a wash, but I could see it being either positive or negative, but I'd lean just a wash as far as his value. Low is, you're right, probably the most exciting guy to get a bit of a bump out of this, and I think he should be owned in pretty much everything, uh, certainly 15-team leagues, but 12-team leagues as well. I just would say temper your expectations. I mean, it's pretty clear the Rays aren't going to bat him clean up or, or second or whatever. They're going to ease him into it. And right out of the gate, that lowers run and RBI total and the Rays do what the Rays do. So are they going to let a left-hander play every day? Another lefty guy. So he's still an interesting guy, a fantasy-friendly profile, power and speed, but temper those expectations. But kind of a cool deal, an interesting trade to see what goes around. I'm curious to see where the draft pick will end up being because I think that'll be a big indicator of whether or not the Rays actually got good value out of this because at the very least, Meadows was a fairly decent player for their team and someone they knew they could count on as opposed to the question mark that might be Josh Lowe, but we'll see. All right, that sums up the news and notes segment to the show. Why don't we go ahead and take our break here and then we get back, we'll give our playoff predictions, award winners, and bold predictions as well. Nasty. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today. To, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to the Nasty Cast. I'm Van Lee, joined by Ron Rigney and Brian Vaughn, and it's time to talk playoff predictions. And this is just for fun. Obviously, we don't have anything writing on this, but I no, asked. This is for blood. That, yes, <laughs> we actually we cut our palms and then shook hands with the blood. So we're now blood brothers in playoff predictions. As important this is as serious. that is. So I asked you guys to give me your final four in the American League, National League, and then the World Series winners. So we'll see what everybody says. Uh, why don't we go with? The final fours first. Brian, let's start with you. Let's go AL. Who are the four teams that you think will be ultimately the division winners and then the wild card team winner that make it into that part of the bracket of the playoffs? Sure. So ultimately, I wound up with my final four in the American League being the Toronto Blue Jays, the New York Yankees, the Houston Astros, and the Chicago White Sox. Pretty boring fair. I mean, really good teams, though, but kind of what you'd expect. Yeah, nothing too crazy. How about you, Ron? Who do you have? Pretty much the same thing. The only one I'm swapping out is I'm swapping out, and it hurts me to do this, but I'm swapping out the Houston Astros with the Boston Red Sox. For some reason, they go on runs. They do it at the right time. They've added a couple pieces that 
are, are decent, and I've got them slotted in for the Strohs. So I've got White Sox, Blue Jays, Yankees, and Red Sox. I have stuck with the Blue Jays' love here. They are certainly going to uh, win the East, is what I predict. I believe the Yankees will be the wild card team. I think they can just do what they do, find their way into that. And then we've got the Twins winning the Central. I, I like a little, it. A uh, little yeah. interesting there. I, think I they almost made some, did it. Some smart moves, <laughs> and who knows? Maybe if everything clicks, it'll happen. And then for the West, I said the Astros are going to win. I think they're pretty clear-cut as the favorites in the American League. So there you go. Astros, Twins, Blue Jays, Yankees for me. Let's shift over to the National League, and I'll go first. For the NL, I said that the Dodgers are going to win the wild card. I think they're obviously a very, very good team because I think the stupid Giants are somehow just going to do it. (laughs) This is my, I I won't say absurd because they just do this every year. Spite pick, yeah. I just think the Giants are going to win that division. Certainly, I think they won it last year, but they were definitely up there last year despite having just a crappy, crappy roster. Seemingly, I think anyway, 107. they are 107. Jeez, that's absurd. Mm-hmm. Uh, see, I've already purged my memory. Are, of that isn't happening. it when you get distance from it is actually more difficult to look at? Yeah, because like you're not, when you're living in it, you don't really it doesn't register the same way. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Giants win their division. The Dodgers wild card. Then I've got the Brewers taking the NL Central. I think they're hitting and top of the pitching staff is going to carry them. And then I went with the Phillies winning the East. I think a lot of people say the Braves are the team to beat. And I pretty much agree with that. But I felt like being cheeky. So I went Phillies. Let's go Ron next. Who do you see winning in the the final four of your NL teams? I'm pretty much the carbon copy of what you have. I've got the I've got the Brewers, the Padres, the Phillies, and the Dodgers, and I feel really good about that Phillies roster. Feel really good about the Padres roster. I feel like they're doing whatever it takes. I feel like if they need to make moves, they're going to make moves. And I, I feel like the Brewers are going to beat up on some bad teams in that Central Division, and the Dodgers are going to do what they always do. And we talked about their prospects before. They've got people they can trade. And, and bring in if they need to make some moves as well. And Brian, ex- take it home, NL. Yeah, I've got those same four teams uh, as you as you guys do. I have the old Padres, the Dodgers, the Brewers, and the Phillies. I, I think the Phillies were the fun one because they're mm-hmm. going to hit a lot. And yeah, I don't know, the East is kind of susceptible. I think uh, the the NL West, I mean, you have some good teams. You have the Giants who just always win. So, And then you have the Rockies just being the absolute dumpster team yeah. that they are. Oh, and Arizona, Rockies. who's a ways off. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's fascinating. We all went with Phillies in the National League winning mm-hmm. East. That's, that's interesting that we all did that. I expected a couple of Braves at the very least. But all right, there we go. So let's shift to World Series. I didn't ask you to come up with the full bracket. But who are the two teams in the World Series and who wins? Let's go, Brian, first on this one. What do you think? Well, you guys, it's going to be a fun, cold World Series as the Toronto Blue Jays upend the Milwaukee Brewers in seven. So chilly. As as Rob Manfred cries to himself silently (laughs) at night. All right, Ron, what do you think? I went ahead and went with the Blue Jays as well, but I swapped those Brewers out with the Padres. I feel like this Padres team just has a different feel. I feel like that they're going to be in it all the way to the end. I feel like, like I said, they're 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 poised to make some moves if they need to make moves to add pitching, to add bench bats, whatever it is they need to do. And I've got the Padres winning it in seven games. Ooh, we'll tell you what. You guys out there need to load up your Canadian accents because I'm yeah. saying the Blue Jays make it as well. All three of us saying Blue Jays in the World Series. A lot of good ideas, there. 
boy, I don't you know. So anyway, Marv and I were talking and we decided <laughs> that, no, I unfortunately did not say the Blue Jays are going to win the World Series. However, I said that the stupid freaking Giants are going to win the World Series. <laughs> Another spite pick. And I did this because typically I'm very wrong. So I'm hoping this curses them to be very, very wrong. I just don't like the Giants. I Maybe I don't hate them as much as Brian, but... Yeah. I don't like the Giants. Well, this is a lot like when, as a as a child, I drafted Sammy Sosa hoping to tank him. <laughs> You're such a devious <laughs> as, a, as a child Cardinal fan, yeah. <laughs> well, there we go. That does it for our playoff predictions. That was fun. We'll see. We'll keep track of these and find out how it goes in a couple of months. So let's shift over to the award winners segment, and we're going to discuss Cy Young MVP and Rookie of the Year winners for their respective leagues. Let's start off with pitching, and let's do the Cy Young. I'll go first on this one. Let's go National League. I took a little bit of a stretch here and said... Aaron Nola is going to win the National League Cy Young Award. Last year, obviously, had an ERA, what, almost four and a half. It was bad, but every other metric said he was pretty good. The strikeouts maintained, so I do think he's a little bit better of a strikeout pitcher than he was in years past. And overall, I think he's in for a big year. And I, again, wanted to get a bit cheeky with this. I do think the National League DH is going to muddle this pool a bit more. Suddenly, the National League pitchers don't have that benefit over American League pitchers. But overall, I like what Aaron Nola does, and I'm cementing him as my Cy Young Award winner in the National League. Let's toss it to Ron next. Who do you have in the NL winning the best pitching award? So I'm going to go, and this is kind of an obvious choice, but I'm going to go with Walker Bueller. And and I like Walker Bueller entering his age 27 season. He's kind of starting to hit that that prime point, you know, that we kind of look at in, in a starter's career. Through a 207 and two-thirds innings last year, which was a career high, started 33 games. K per nine, just under under 10. The walks are down, the 2.47 ERA from last year. I feel like this is one of those, we, we see the beginning of one of these runs where we see him break off one of those, you know, Max Scherzer, Justin Verlander type runs where you see the 200 innings pitched and the 200 strikeouts for the next five, six, seven years as long as he stays healthy. But I think he's he's obviously going to pitch with a great offense behind him. He's going to get to beat up on some teams in the NL. It is going to, like you said, it is going to make a difference as far as the NLDH. We'll see how that adjustment gets made. But I think that he's still going to be really, really good. And I think he's one of those next guys that's ready to take that step to be considered in that conversation as an ace. All right, so we've got Nola and Bueller. Let's see if we have a third name here with Brian's NL Cy Young Award prediction. We do, and I almost picked Aaron Nola, by the way. Interesting. Uh, because as as I annually do, I don't I try to not have everybody be total chalk where it's just like, oh yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah. But there are gonna be some of those. This one's kind of in between, and it's Brandon Woodruff, who's really good. He has emerged into being a guy that really limits hard contact and throws a lot of strikes. So I, I like the idea of him, not Corbin Burns, being more of the workhorse type in that rotation and winding up with a Cy Young for his troubles. I actually like that because my criticisms of Gor- Corbin Burns are not that he's not an elite pitcher. No. It's that I just don't, I'm not sold on bulk. I'm not sold on on innings. And you know what? I said the same thing about Walker Bueller for several years, and he's largely become kind of a bulk innings guy. I'm just not there to say that Corbin Burns is that. But I do think Woodruff could be that a little more so with a little bit less, you know, 
uh, what's the term? The this the stuff, the strikeout rate, the, yeah, the metrics aren't it, quite as It's a little much. less gaudy, but it not not by so much either that it's like a detriment. Yeah, still very good. So there we go. Three different names here. Let's move on to the American League Cy Young Award winners. Let's go Brian first on this one. Who do you have for us? Well, guys, guess what? I get, this is probably my biggest stretch of any of these that I have. And I talked about him last week when we were talking starting pitchers, and that's Dylan Cease. Whoa. I said then, he obviously there's a big step forward that still needs to be taken in his command, but if he does, that he could become an ace. I think it's way more likely that happens next year, but I'm going to go ahead and accelerate that process in a repeat of last year's Jesus Lazardo incident. <laughs> you but basically really. <laughs> said, I'm going to pick this pitcher. I refuse to cease and desist. I'm going to take him. <laughs> I did. I refused to Lazard. No, Lazardo and Learn don't sound that similar, despite starting with an L. I will say it could have been arguably crazier if I had taken Eduardo Rodriguez, <laughs> which was yeah. the thing I considered. There you go. All right. Well, Ron, you're up next. Who is your American League Cy Young Award winner? Like Brian, I think this is going to be one of my probably my biggest stretch here, and I want to foreshadow a little bit. Dylan Cease is actually involved in my bold predictions later on in the show. So stay tuned for that. Uh, I'm going to go. I got to go. I got to get a Ray in here somewhere. I got to go Homer in one of these categories. I didn't pick him to go to the playoffs. I don't know if they will or not. I don't fully trust that rotation, but the one guy I do trust is their opening day starter, Shane McClanahan. He is going to be your AL Cy Young Award winner. Only thing that concerns me a little bit is he going to get the innings to be able to do it. I, I don't know if he's you know, the way the Rays do things. I don't know if he's going to get to that innings total. He's going to need to really get a lot of consideration. But we've seen him last season had kind of became that guy in the rotation and was able to step forward and kind of be the guy that they can get rid of some of these other pieces and trade and make some moves. So double digit K per nine. The walks are down three point four three ERA. I think we see that come down, and I think we see him you know, kind of step up and be that lead guy because they have to have him be that lead guy because the one thing I don't like about this team and the one thing I one of the main reasons I didn't put him in that final four was because of that pitching staff behind him. When you look at it, it's as the kids say, it's a little sus. <laughs> <laughs> well basically you said, damn it, McClanahan, you're too much of a loose cannon for this police precinct. So you're gonna be my Cy Young award winner. <laughs> I like that. Well, we have a third name here in this as well, because for my American League Cy Young winner, I have chosen Shane Bieber. That's right. Mr. Bieber Fever himself. He's returned from the injury that really limited him last year. Kind of similar deal to McClanahan. I don't know how many innings he's going to put up. I think it'll be more than McClanahan because he's just simply had a longer career with more. But he's really good. I think he's going to get back to being just a true ace. And if he throws up 160 to 180 innings, I would not be shocked. He, if, if he put up 200 innings, I wouldn't be shocked. I don't think that's going to happen. But overall, really like me some Bieber here. All I'll right, tell you what, he looked good today, too. He did look really yeah, good today. Yeah. I, they, they had him on a pitch count, but it's an encouraging first start. For sure. Velocity's there. The movement's there. Looks good. All right, moving on to the hitters. We have MVP awards. Let's go with National League first again. I'll go up first here. I decided I wanted to go with maybe not a super obvious selection, but certainly someone who's been in the MVP conversation for years. And that is Mookie Betts. I think he had a little bit of a rough season last year, but he's done that. He, he had, For a while, he would alternate amazing seasons with pretty good seasons. But I think he's kind of almost forgotten 
People don't really give him the credit he deserves, so I think he's going to bounce back in a big way. He'll have a full season. He'll hit for average. He'll hit for power, steal some bases, and I think he'll be pretty darn good. Let's go with Brian next on this one. Who is your National League MVP award winner? Okay, this is no stretch either. It is in one sense in that he plays for a god-awful team, but I'm going with Juan Soto having one of those bad team MVP years where he's just such a good hitter, none of it matters. Like, maybe this is a year he has, like, a 500 OBP or something. I don't know. And uh, some of the doubles are homers. I think he is uh, kind of a unique hitter in his profile. And one of these years, he's going to have some just nutso year. And maybe, just maybe, it'll be this year. He's kind of the Pujols now in an era where you don't see Pujols because the MVPs tend to have speed. He, I mean, he yeah. has stolen some bases. He's even like Pujols like that, though, in that because weird, he would steal like, bases sometimes he'll steal 10 bases. <laughs> and obviously just an elite, amazing hitter. So very good there. So Ron rounded out here. Who is your National League MVP award winner? I'm going to go with the Dodger as well, but it is not Mookie Betts. I'm going to go with Trey Cody Bellinger. Yes, you got it. <laughs> he's going to hit a buck eighty. He's going to hit twelve homers, and he's going to take home the gold, ladies. And Austin Barnes, <laughs> Austin Barnes, uh, Chris Taylor. So I think Trey Turner is going to do it because he. I mean, he does everything offensively. He's he's going to hit twenty five to thirty homers, hundred runs, eighty RBIs, thirty steals. He's going to hit over three hundred. He's going to play good defense. He's going to be in the middle of a great lineup. Pick them to be one of my one of my playoff teams. I just think it makes sense for Trey Turner to take home the MVP as long as he stays healthy, which last couple of seasons, 2019 only played 122 games, but last year 148. So if he can get 150, 155, I think we see him take home the hard work. And stealing a ton of bases, hitting for a good average, and just being very good at baseball. Great I player. like that one. All right, so that wraps up the National League MVP award winners. Let's move on to the American League. Let's go Ron first on this one. Who's your AL MVP winner? Uh, you know, trying to not go with the chalk here, kind of like Brian was alluding to. And, you know, looking at my playoff teams, I wanted it to try to be a guy from one of those. And I might be going with the wrong guy on this team that could take home this award, but I'm going to go with the bounty hunter, Bo Bichette. And I, I think that just looking at what they're going to do with the team that they put together, you know, he'll only he's going to be only 24 years old. He's got a long time to, to win this award. But, you know, in his first full season – Last season, only missed three games, 29 homers, was over 100 in both runs and RBIs, 25 steals, didn't strike out very much, almost hit 300, slash line was kind of elite, had very similar numbers to uh, what we see from uh, Trey Turner. And I think that, you know, it's kind of, you know, another middle infield guy. I think as long as he stays healthy, he's <laughs> playing in an amazing lineup. It's gonna, the team's going to do great things. And I just think that it's, it's going to be an improvement on already great numbers from last year. Bounty hunter Bo Bichette. And you know what? Now that he's defeated the Pike Syndicate, I think he's right there in line to win that. Plus, if he gets really upset, he can just ride his rancor up to the plate and scare everyone away. Well, and he's going to have the he's going to have the advantage of the back to tank, too. So he's going to be healthy all season. That's yeah, right. And I would like to say I've yet to see a player ingratiate himself with the rancor as well as Bo Bichette has. It's elite level performance. 80 <laughs> on the scale for sure. And don't forget the jet pack, too. That helps. All right, so let's move on to Brian. Let's do your AL MVP. Who do you have for me? Sure. So this was a today change for me and because it's the guy I wanted to pick, but I, I went with, but I didn't pick him initially for reasons I'll now make clear. It's Jose Ramirez, who I didn't want to pick to be in one league for the whole season yeah. until he signed an extension this morning. 
uh, incredible player. I, I'm basically, again, just picking a fairly obvious guy on a bad team and saying, oh, he could have a peak year this year, which could be any year for Ramirez because that's a true five category player right there in fantasy and in real life. He's an everything category player. No, fat faced little boy, but I love him. I know. So good. Why is he so <laughs> gifted athletically and he just looks like he could be anybody? It's yeah. crazy. Just short, kind of round. Like his face is so oval. He's like, hey, this Arnold. Is, this is not <laughs> fair at all, but that's one of the reasons why I was skeptical at the beginning of his career. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. He's been amazing. All right, well, for my AL MVP award winner, really, if I look at my two MVP award winners, you might just go, oh, did you write this six years ago? Because <laughs> I took Mookie Betts for the NL, and I took my boy, Mike Trout, for the American League. I did and think about that. You know, that's not a trendy pick, I would say. I think a lot of people are, you know, he hasn't played, he hasn't stayed healthy, he doesn't steal as much. So I think a lot of people are a little skeptical of that. So to me, as absurd as it is that, Mike Trout could be the MVP. Well, I should say it isn't absurd, no. but it feels absurd because of the way people are kind of treating him. So I think he's going to rebound. I think if he stays healthy, we're going to see him do exactly what he does. He's going to hit for a great average. He's going to hit for an absolute ton of power. And I do think if he steals double-digit bases, 10-plus, who'd be shocked? Because he's fast and he's really good at baseball. There we go. That wraps it up. We didn't have a single crossover on the MVP or Cy Young Award winners. So I like for that. Us. Let's see if we do with the Rookie of the Year winners who are, you know, a little less varied, certainly. But uh, I took maybe a, uh, a surprising pick in one and not so surprising in the other. Let's do the NL first. You know what? I'll go first. I, I will lead us off with this one. This one's my surprising one for NL Rookie of the Year. I went with Nick Lodolo, of course, the Cincinnati Reds pitching prospect. I think the Reds suck, but I do think the <laughs> Reds are doing interesting things. They call up Hunter Green to begin the season. I don't know why they do that. I feel they keep him down so they could get the extra years of control. I think they will do that with Lodolo, but I think he's ready to pitch. He is ready right now to be in the major leagues. And I think once we cross that Super 2 cutoff or maybe a little bit after that, maybe uh, you know mid-May or something, they call him up. He can pitch the rest of the year and be pretty darn good. I like Nick Lodolo. So that was my surprising one. And we'll see if you guys are as by the book or surprising as me, as cool as I am. We'll find out. Brian Vaughn. Who's your rookie of the year for National League? Well, I'm certainly not cool, but like <laughs> you, I am taking a guy who did not make an opening day roster, and that's O'Neill Cruz, who I think it'll just be a month or whatever, and he'll be playing. I think he'll have the power and speed to put up a nice rookie season. Uh, really fascinating player who there's not really anyone like him quite exactly. He's nine feet tall. I He's I, huge. Uh, he really is. I like to go with a guy who makes an opening day roster with when I pick these for certainty's sake. But in the National League, they're like, for instance, given Abrams playing time situation, I don't really feel good picking him. Totally fair. All right. So National League Rookie of the Year. Who do you got for us, Ron? Well, I'm going to go out on a little bit of a limb here, and this is going to be my more surprising one of the two as well. And we talked about some guys at the top of the show those top prospects i'm and i'm getting a guy that made the made the opening day roster not uh nearly, ne yeah not, <laughs> not nearly as known as some of those guys and i'm going with bryson stott making the Ooh, phillies roster okay. uh, slotted in at third base right now a little bit of an odd situation there because he's facing off and platooning potentially with another phillies top prospect and alec Baum who got up last year but 
I've, I've always liked Stott. He was, you know, he's a, a first round pick, just really solid across the board, plays solid defense, has a nice, nice amount of pop for a shortstop, hits for average. I kind of get like the sense of um, Jonathan, uh, Jonathan India type season from him where he's not lights out, but he's just super solid across the board and, and just succeeds. And I think he ultimately will win that job. And I think that, that he's the guy that we'll see as kind of a dark horse uh, rookie of the year. Interesting. I like that one. Very, uh, very dark horse there. So we did good with those three. Let's see how the AL Rookie of the Year award goes and may not be as exciting considering <laughs> the caliber of talent there, but we'll find out. Let's go, Brian, first on this one. Who is your AL winner? It's Julio Rodriguez, who I t- talked about earlier. I think he's awesome. I don't know if it'll all happen this year, but I figured I'll just go with my favorite guy. I I think my gut actually says Torkelson is the highest probability guy. All right, then. So, well, I'll go next then because I picked Spencer Torkelson. I don't know if I think him is the highest probability guy. I think that's probably Bobby Witt Jr. However, I think Witt's end result, the the difference or what it could be or what it couldn't be if it was really bad, the variables are really high. Where with Torkelson, I think we know what's going to happen. He's going to hit for some power and probably not a ton of batting average. However, if he does hit 280, I wouldn't be shocked because he's just a good pure hitter. So I think he will hit for that power. I think he'll be there all season. And I think he'll uh, be a great addition to the Tigers. So I went with Torkelson here in my somewhat boring pick. Stupid name. We can go with that. But then let's (laughs) see what Ron does here for AL Rookie of the Year. A little on the boring side for me as well. But I went with Adley Rutschman, and oh. it's, it's a guy that hasn't made the roster. He's a little bit nicked up right now. They're taking, you know, they they have the, I mean, obviously the Orioles. I think when I read it the other day, they have a four point three percent chance of making the World Series. So, which was not Higher the lowest, by the guessed. way. The, which yeah. was not the lowest, by the way. The Pirates were at two point three, so mm. they have something to shoot for there. But they don't have any reason to to rush rush him up. But I don't think he has anything to prove in the minors. We know the guy can hit. We know he's worked hard on his catching skills. We know he's already a great leader. The players respect him. I think they bring him up, and I think he ends up just as as far as as far as being a catcher defensively and and with the bat. I think that he comes up and he's the guy that gets the trophy. All different answers again. Yeah, we didn't have a single crossover, so good for us. And of course, none of us said Bobby Witt Jr., who is probably the rookie of the year. Yeah. We'll see. We'll find out at the end of the year. So that was fun. Great stuff there. We have one last thing for you on today's episode. And then we'll get out of here. We're going to give you bold predictions. We've done this in years past where we just come up with whatever. This might be Mike Trout steals 500 bases, or it might be complete gibberish that has nothing to do with real baseball. We'll find out as we go along. Do I have a volunteer to go first? Oh, sure. Whatever. I'll do it. All right. We've got three each. So, Brian, you're first. What is your first bold prediction for 2022? All right. Royals manager Mike Matheny accuses Tigers players of using aliases after receiving the opposing team's lineup card and reading the names Spencer Torkelson, Akil <laughs> Badu, and Robbie Grossman. <laughs> and informed that all these names are in fact correct, Matheny then asked the umpiring crew chief in a hushed voice if Buntingly was still legal. <laughs> Because that would be his ultimate nightmare scenario if he took bunting <laughs> away, which is very accurate. I'll go next here. Uh, let's see. Which one do I want first? Let's do this one. 
my first bold prediction for the year is Aaron Judge, the front runner for AL MVP award, loses the award in the final weeks of the season because he ends up missing 12 games because someone very loud convinces him that Chucklin cherry flavored squeeze it juice directly <laughs> into his eyeballs being just injected will make him immortal. And so that would is it's an unfortunate way to lose an MVP award, but we'll find out if it happens. All right, so Aaron Judge, we've got Mike Matheny. Who do you have for us, Ron, with your it's first It's really hard prediction? not to mangle the top of a squeeze-it when you open it. Yeah, right. Oh, because they've that. got that pyramid head thing? Yeah, that's like the sphinx, sphinx thing. Head. Yeah. yeah. Squeeze-it, so, man, I can tell you last time I thought of a squeeze-it. That's, that's, that's good a, one. That, that's excellent. <laughs> that makes me feel good. So, mention to you, Dylan Cease, so here we go. Dylan Cease will have a short IL stint this season where he's going to – find that he falls in love with Chicago-style pizza so much that he decides to retire from baseball and start a chain of pizzerias in the Chicagoland area known as Little Caesars. And their, <laughs> and their slogan, Pizza pizza Er. <laughs> oh, I would eat that pizza. What do, how do you right. guys feel about Chicago deep dish pizza? Love it. I it, it's I like it if it's good, like it, which obviously, right? But sometimes if, <laughs> if, if it's like just... It can be just bread. Well, you know, you're a thin cruster, well. though. Like, you default a, to thin crust, right? No, I'm a default pan guy. I'm okay. like, a, just because I like a lot of ingredients. I don't like it if they overbread it. I like to make sure that the deep dish has enough stuff going on in it. Mm. See, I, I love the bread. I would eat bread yeah, every day, it. every meal. Mm. Carbs. So good, man. All right. Well, we're back to you, Brian. What's your second bold prediction for the year? All right. This one, I think, is more likely, guys. The grandson of the Minnesota Twins owner takes over as the team's on-field manager early in the season after the owner's mysterious death, managing to lead his team to a win-or-die game against the Seattle Mariners on the final day of the regular season. Were it not for a spectacular catch by Ken Griffey Jr., the Mariners' center fielder, Twins first baseman Lou Collins would have sent his team to the postseason with a walk-off home run. Ooh, odds that happens, Ron. 98? Easily, easily. Yeah, this easily. is completely unrelated, but did you guys watch Little Big League when you were kids? <laughs> oh, yes. Love that movie. <laughs> wow. All right, Little Big big League predictions here. Likely to no, come true. No, I said completely unrelated. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. My bad. I misinterpreted <laughs> that. Oh, I guess I'm up next. So let's, let's see. I'll give you my second one here. Tony LaRussa shows why teams hire wily veteran managers when upstart prospect Andrew Vaughn displays joy at hitting his first home run of the season. LaRussa then has him eaten alive by his many packs of dogs. His dogs are in fact named Hustle, Grit, Moxie, Dieter, as in determination, and Peanut. So there you go. Unfortunately, Andrew Vaughn's going to die. If you have any shares, trade him here. Oh, please don't die this year, Andrew Vaughn. That will seem really evil to me. If anyone doesn't know this, uh, listening, th- this thing with Tony LaRusso and dogs is real. That guy loves dogs. I mean, mm-hmm. I love dogs, too. But but he loves dogs. Like, he is. Yeah. For a guy who doesn't crazy. like people. Or sobriety. Yeah, or being I, nice. <laughs> I believe, if I if I think about it, what because he was involved with the Diamondbacks organization, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So, <laughs> I think that at one time, they produced a bobblehead of him and his dog. Which I one was it, it, Dieter, or was it Grit? I'll, I'll have to look it up. I'm not sure, but I think that that's out there. 
I'm surprised there's not a bobblehead of him asleep at a stop sign. <laughs> <laughs> With just I, I know, like I empty some, bottles around him. I know some people that could make that happen, so we might be able to do that. <laughs> there you go. All right, Ron, take it away. What's your second bold prediction? Okay, this is probably my one that's the closest to being real, but it's also because I'm really depending upon one of these players because I got an insane value on him in my draft the other night. So, Van, this one's for you as well. Mike Trout will play 150 games this year. Anthony Rendon will play at least 140. Noah Syndergaard makes 30 starts, and the Angels make the playoffs. Oh, hot damn. I am all for this bold prediction. Yes, sir. Yeah, I noticed it wasn't one of his regular predictions. (laughs) It's a bold one for (laughs) sure. No, I actually, I meant to talk about this before. We didn't really go over the divisions, but the Angels and Mariners are so interesting to me that it's like, I don't know. I think the West is tighter than it looks. Yeah, because it feels like the Astros are the team, but to be honest, they're the most boring of those teams in that yeah, division. Yeah, they're good, but... They, well, certainly. So, we'll see. I hope it happens. All right, so we're to our final bowl predictions. Brian, you're first. All right. The Cleveland Guardians draw record attendance thanks to rabid Marvel fans mistaking the team's <laughs> new name for a new entry in one of their fam- favorite film franchise series. Thankfully for the Guardians, fans were converted in real life. Thanks to superheroes they do have, like Air Jordan Luplow, Stone Cold Austin Hedges, and Captain America Bobby Bradley. (laughs) Well, we have to start calling those guys by those nicknames now and see if it sticks. By the way, pour one out, gentlemen. Because the Warhammer, Jordy Mercer, has retired. Yeah. Oh, the man, man himself. Storied wow. career for that guy. I, knew, I, career. I knew I felt a little emptier today. I just didn't know why until right now. <laughs> the mercenary okay. himself. Oh, man. Well, I have one more bold prediction for you guys. And here it is. The addition of Mike Brosseau to the Brewers was not expected to be a game-changing one. But that's exactly what happens when the team goes from seven games under 500 at the end of June to win the NL Central after the team as a whole mysteriously begins to perform way above their heads. After some digging is done, it's discovered that one day the team caterer no-showed and Brousseau volunteered to cook his famous Brousseau sprouts, which were so rich and full of vitamin K that the team's bone health went through the roof and catapulted them into the playoffs. <laughs> I had have one likely. fun one in here. Seems very likely. Yeah, Yeah. that's my realistic one, like you guys have said. (laughs) That's right. Brousseau sprouts. All right, Ron, you're up with your third You can sell those at Little Seasters. (laughs) (laughs) As a sensible vegetable side. Yes. Okay, so as we know... The the Mets top two of Max Scherzer and Jacob Degrom are are getting up there a little bit in age. Degrom is already on the IL with some injuries, so there 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 comes a point in the season where Max Scherzer and Jacob Degrom both hit the IL. While doing the rehab, they begin chatting up Hall of Famer Frank Big Hurt Thomas, who's in town because Fox is covering a Mets game. He's there to do the pregame. As they as they're chatting, he he hands them both a complimentary bottle of Nugenics. I knew it, and with a wink says. She'll like it too, boys, and sends them <laughs> on their way. They both find a fountain of youth from this supplement. They, they start their regiment. It works wonders for them. They both return from the IL early. It, in fact, works so well, the Mets are able to go the rest of the season with just a two-man rotation, and the guy who's on his off day slots in as the, as the DH on his rest day. The Mets <laughs> win 145 games, go undefeated in the playoffs, and net the 2022 World Series title. 
I thought you said the other one was your most realistic one. I think this one covers it as most realistic. That is phenomenal. <laughs> so I have a question to ask of you gentlemen. Clearly, we all know about nugenics. What was going through the how mind? Does that, how does that get past an entire marketing department? <laughs> uh, who, I don't, yeah, who goes, you know what people were really clamoring for? Murdering entire swaths of populations because of their genetics. So let's name it after that. No, but we put an N on the front of it. <laughs> and then the commercials are all Frank Thomas. I don't know if you guys have seen this. It comes up on Pluto oh, all have. the time. Yeah, and it's just Frank Thomas like, you know, I used to be a big piece of shit. After baseball ended, but look at me now, I'm huge and I can pick <laughs> everything. And that's essentially what it is. Yep. All right. Well, those were our bold predictions. I'm furiously writing a note here that I need to censor myself twice at the end of this podcast. Why? Because you were talking about the big hurt getting the big paycheck. <laughs> <laughs> that's the one. So before we get out of here, guys, anything else you want to say? Are you pumped for opening day? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, um, what I'm excited is to be to have a day where I'm not working and I can just flip through games for a while. That sounds pretty awesome. Ron, how many of your seniors that you'll be traveling with tomorrow? We we already determined a 10% loss rate's fine. Mm-hmm. How many of that 10% will you personally be responsible for destroying? Um, well, I'm only uh, technically I only have 10 that are assigned to me as a chaperone once they get there. So really Really, all I have to do is they have to uh, call me one time during the night and give me proof of life, and that's pretty much it. Oh, so it's an overnight stay. Okay. Well, we're there till like 1.30 in the morning. So, Oh, I got you. So So one of them gets eaten by a gator, not that big of a deal. That's fine. Hey, you know, from a teaching standpoint, 90% is an A in my book, so I'm good. (laughs) Sometimes a Bigfoot carries one away. It just happens, and you deal with it. Yeah, like a manta ray flies out of the water and slaps them. (laughs) It's it's part of being a teacher in the United States in 2022. Well, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We appreciate you listening to the world-famous Nasty Cast podcast. We love it that you listen. Once again, if you want to do our very belated listener league that I think we're going to make a thing every year, get in touch with us. You can reach me on Twitter at Manly Van Lee. You can reach us via email at bootuink at gmail.com, B-O-O-T-U-I-N-C. We'll get you in there. It'll be a lot of fun. So for Nate, for Brian, I'm Van Lee, and may the fantasy gods shine upon you. Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.